and boom goes the dime. Welcome to episode 82 of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how you doing, man? You did think about saying good morning, though. I kind of did. You thought about it. <laughs> I did for a second. Because we are, we, we are, yeah, we're, we're going to peel back the curtain a little bit. Yes, we are recording this at like... 10.30 in the morning, Chicago it's, time. It's Saturday morning wrestling. We're in the control room. There's uh, a bunch of CRT monitors with, like, <laughs> color bars. And, they like, some of them have static. Some of them have local, like, news on them. Some of them have various wrestling matches just kind of in the background there. Uh, we're in... Coming we're soon in to the Cow Palace. <laughs> yep, we have big Boom Goes the Dynamite logos on our lapels. They're, they're sewn there. Right. Uh, we, we look great. Our ties are very wide. We have very wide ties, uh, and, and we're ready to go. It's 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 time to do it. We got our coffee. Uh, no can cracking because it is still a little early for that. Uh, you know, just uh, we're, we're we're not complete alcoholics. No, we're not complete. Not yeah. complete. We keep getting these mediocre episodes of Dynamite though, and uh, it might drive me to it. Ooh, oh, that's controversial because I actually thought this was a pretty good episode of Dynamite. But we'll okay. we will we will get to this. Uh, did you watch, uh, oh, I, I, I have a hypocrisy update for everybody. <laughs> hypocrisy updates. We need like a, a music bumper for that. Yeah. <laughs> hypocrisy update. Uh, yeah. So I have now purchased tickets for churches, uh, who are performing at the Aragon Brawl Room, as, uh, we like to call it oh. around these, these parts. Um, yeah, I, I have a couple of like John Kerry. Remember that guy? Oh Jesus! <laughs> uh, so anyway, they're they're playing at uh, at the Aragon in November. I bought tickets for both myself and my honey. So yeah, the 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 the, the hypocrisy is now complete. So so now you have no excuses to not go to all out slash indie wrestling festivities on Labor Day weekend in uh, in Hoffman Estates. The gates are open in in Hoffman Estates. Just beautiful this time of year. Yes. <laughs> Uh, part of the reason why we're recording so early is because uh, there's supposed to be a major storm coming through, and my dogs are not going to react well to that. <laughs> when, when I have had, to take them out. We had rains all week. It's had our, our pets having a lot of fun there. Oh. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 nice. We got a little morning energy. The juices are flowing. The coffee's up. Uh, it's still lukewarm to getting mostly cold, uh, so that will be cold shortly into this episode. And uh, yeah, I've already watched some some football this week, guys. You know, you know Euro twenty twenty asterisks kicked off. I've been playing FIFA twenty one again, so that's kind of getting my uh, my mood for football kind of there, there you up go. again. Uh, so, did you see Elevation or Dark this week? Did you see Elevation or Dark this week? Uh, I saw a clip from Elevation. Yeah, the only thing I saw was actually what I showed you right before we started recording this podcast, and it was of Jade Cargill in the opening match of AEW Dark Elevation this week. Uh, she performed a very cool uh, pop-up Samoan drop slam. You would think that that would be a basic move, but it just looked like, holy shit, you know? Like, it looked like a million bucks, and I don't 
ever remember seeing it before. And I'm sure someone's performed it somewhere because everyone's done every move at this point, basically. But it looked great. Yeah, and, 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 it looked unique. It looked fresh. And, and Nova invented half of them. Don't forget that. And not a single person who's ever performed any wrestling move has ever looked like Jade Cargill. So there's that. <laughs> there's also there that. is that. <laughs> she is she is a fucking absolute star. And I have to uh, eat some crow on the smart Mark Sterling stuff because this <gasps> appears to be working. I uh, it does actually. We have to say, yeah. and, and we'll get in, and we'll get into this later too. Yeah, like I, you know, we talked about this, like how this needs to be like a really big name or a big shock or a big surprise or a high profile manager if we're going to get Jada manager. And uh, that's not what happened. It was smart Mark Sterling. And yeah, he appears to, now, I don't think that, you know, this is the end all of this thing. I think that eventually she's going to sour on smart Mark and maybe, you know, trade up or, or move on to something else. But I, you know, we'll let this go for a while because I think he's doing a good job. All right, and with that, we go pre-taped Daily's Place in Jacksonville, Florida for episode 82 of AEW Dynamite. Uh, your hosts, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. And we start pr- with a pre-credit sequence of the Pinnacle arriving at the arena. Love which... an arrival uh, shot. You know, we got the, the low shot on the limo, the doors opening, the, the pan up. You always like that. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we get our opening credits. And then we, we go to the ring, and Matt Hardy is already in there with uh, with Angelico. And, Angelico uh, and Jack Evans, the hybrid two. Uh, inspired goons. Angelico wrestling in this match. Yeah, and uh, Angelico, uh, you know, uh, Hardy offers a bonus to Angelico for, you know, to end Christian Cage's career, which, of course, leads us to... Our Folks, it's bounties. It's unethical. It's uh, it's New Orleans Saints ten years ago, right? Is that it, how long it, ago that was? Uh, yeah, actually, it was ten years. God damn, that bounty stuff was a long time ago. Yeah, was... you know, I think that was around the time. All the coaches, I... <laughs> all the coaches in Bounty Gate still have jobs. No one lost their jobs. Everybody just moved on. Yeah, Sean Payton just got suspended for like a year. I think was like the worst thing. Yeah, yeah he, got, I, he took a, he took a paid vacation. Yeah, so yeah, th- that was about the time when I realized that Roger Goodell was a an arbitrary um, schmuck. Because yeah, I think he's probably like more of a like an actual demon. He seems to be a lot more evil than inept. Well, no, no, it, no he wasn't. I never said he was a net. I just said he was arbitrary and just arbitrary, yeah, ar- ar- arbitrary and authoritarian. Because I still, to this day, never got an answer from anybody as to why why within the span of 18 months the Steelers James Harrison went from the defensive player of the year for the entire fucking league to public enemy number 1 by the league. Huh. I wow. never got th- nobody has ever explained to me what changed about James Harrison to within 18 months. Wow. <laughs> you know? No, uh, to tie us back into wrestling, it's really like Mr. McMahon as a character works and worked and was so iconic because of modern day sports commissioners. Like these guys are such pieces of shit that like, no matter what kind of level of cartoonish villain villainry you use to like portray them as a parallel in an entertainment medium, it does nothing can go too far. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just it. I mean, like, it's... The, it like the bad guy, like uh, authority figure in wrestling works because the authority figures in real sports are such bad guys in real life. Well, like, yeah. Right. Like, how do you parody 
Donald Trump at this point because he he everything oh, you, you, you can't he, he, yeah you, you, because it actually no, happened you know no Trump parody or a joke you do will ever be funnier than Trump himself it's just never gonna happen there's nothing funnier than him or, 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 well maybe not necessarily funny but more ridiculous how about that well, you know I more mean, over you know, the those, top <laughs> those things are not mutually exclusive Jeff. well that's true but <laughs> but no I mean yeah as as evil and insane as the guy is he's also like objectively hilarious when he's like you know really in his mood like rally trump is funny as shit yeah i you know i i just i guess i just don't see the humor in it like at all but anyway moving on uh yeah so yeah that was 10 years ago bounty gate God, uh, I, yeah. I remember all that playing out too that was that was some oh. wild shit um what's happening in wrestling in 2010 and or 2011 god i, I was not watching I, I wasn't watching i don't know yeah it didn't exist. Uh, I mean, Kazushka, Kazushka Okada was on excursion in TNA. That's all on I On this podcast, wrestling was invented uh, in 2018. It was invented on, in Labor Day weekend 2018 at a little show called Hollywood. <laughs> uh, that no. was the day professional wrestling was born. No. <laughs> no, I was already podcasting before then, brother. <laughs> Actually, the, day, the first episode of this podcast was the day podcasting was born. <laughs> We invented podcasting. Right. Hi, I'm Mark Marin. I'm here with Colt Cabana. We invented podcasting. <laughs> Boy, you know, the thing about Glow and 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 what was that other one? Oh, fuck. What was that other Netflix show that was the uh Bear? No, no, it was the one that had like it took it was a, a, a an anthology show, but it took place in Chicago with like young hipsters and Mark Ma- and Mark Marin played a cartoonist. Huh. On it. I will I will say hey, Mar- the, 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 the point I was trying to get to. By the way, uh, Jeffrey Brown was the the guy who actually drew Mark Maron's cartoons in that. In that, uh, shout, out shout out to Jeffrey Brown. Um, anyway, the the point is that usually Mark Maron gets these roles where he just plays Mark Maron. Oh yeah, but that's like why he's so good in Glow, right? And why it's really interesting, and I think uh, uh, apt that he is so good in Glow as a character that's playing himself because it sticks to the. Uh, a uh, wrestling law of the best characters are, you know, your own personality turned up to 11. By the way, I think we have talked about th- this idea before on this show. I'm going to throw it out there again. You know what a series that would rule would be? What's that? You you get Mark Marin and Ray Wise together in a show as the leads. Well, you are, um, I don't care what it's about. You already have, If you have those two guys, I'm already in. Oh, it gets better. It's a period drama. Okay. And the characters that those two are playing are Stanley and Jack Kirby. Okay. Yeah. 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 You, 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 All right. you, you're look you're looking you're looking at Ray Wise, you're like, oh yeah, that's Jack Kirby. <laughs> yeah. Real interesting. Real interesting. And then I mean how on that has to be an honest series to be good though. It, and oh, it has to. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, the the nerds would get incredibly mad if you honestly portrayed Stan Lee on television with oh, the prestige yeah. drama. Well, you People know what? Tough, sh- really, you know what? Tough shit because there would be a lot of babies absolutely pissing their pants over that. The problem is that we have to figure out who would play Steve Ditko. Though. Hmm. Steve Ditko, of course. And by the way, if you don't know who Steve Ditko is, he, he co-created Spider-Man. I just don't. I don't and, know. And Doctor who would, Strange. So off the top of my head, who would be qualified for that? I don't who know. Would, who would who would play a guy who never leaves his apartment and was really into Ayn Rand? You know. <laughs> oh, uh, Chris Nowinski. But does he look like Steve Ditko? Is the is the question? <laughs> no, but you know what? We can do we can do we can do makeup and stuff. It's fine. <laughs> That's true. All right. Oh yeah. By the way, we have a wrestling show to talk about. Uh, Christian Cage versus. Uh, you know what? 
<laughs> Christian Cage sure? versus Angelico. Uh, this match was decent. I real okay. So I, I'll, I'll talk about my overall thoughts about this episode towards the end. But uh, starting with this match, the in-ring stuff I really enjoyed here. I thought Angelico and Christian Cage had a good like. It was almost like a Memphis style like Matt discipline, really focused on in-ring storytelling kind of match. Uh, you know, it was focused on Angelico being the higher goon, specifically trying to injure Christian. Christian trying to work his way out of it and overcome the odds. They did a really good job telling that story, I thought. I love Angelico as a wrestler. I think he's underrated. And I think, you know, seeing him more is a good thing. So, yeah, this was fine. And Christian Cage really hitting his stride, like, in the role that he's kind of fell into here in AEW. And what role do you think that is? The, uh, the profile raiser, the veteran leadership guy, uh, veteran presence guy. He's coming out there having really good matches with guys that they want to move up the roster. Guys like Powerhouse Hobbs, guys like Angelico. Uh, you know, had his match with other fellow veteran Frankie Kazarian, who has found his way up the card since with his elite hunter role. Uh, and so, and he's great at that, right? Hey, he's great hey, at hey, guys look good. Yeah. Now, I will, I am going to shit on Jim Ross here because, of course, you know, towards the, the beginning of the match, where he goes on this, you know what, guys? I don't think that Matt Hardy and, and Christian Cage very much like each other. Oh, you don't think? <laughs> okay, yeah, no, a couple of blunders there, but I will say this in, in with respect to the commentary. Actually, kind of in this episode overall, the commentators were very story-focused in this one. This episode felt very taped, right? Does that does that make sense to you? This felt like a, more of a taped episode. Oh, it totally was. I mean, you could... Tapes. I mean, you could tell because, you know, of course, when, when Tony Schiavone starts talking about, you know, upcoming events, you can hear that the, there's, there's a change in the timber in his voice. Yeah. Because he recorded that in the studio. Yeah, there's you know? there's a few things. And you it, it definitely felt more like a pre-taped show. But, uh, you know, one of the advantages of that is the commentary really did kind of. And that's what the, what was cool about this episode to me is that they told their stories in the ring and through commentary. Very old school television wrestling. Right. Uh, Christian Cage, of course, does get the win on Angelico with the kill switch. Uh, afterwards, uh, Jack Evans and Matt Hardy attack. Jungle Boy tries to make a save, and uh, and there we go. So Jungle Boy is kind of all over the place right now. He is. I mean, he's got a big match coming up, so they're trying to maximize his exposure before that. And I think that's a good idea. Uh, we then go a, go to a commercial break, and when we come back. Um, we have announcements of upcoming AEW shows. They, yes, they, when, where they are leaving, they are leaving Daily's place. We've already discussed this. Uh, they have added a date to this now. So here, here's what's coming up: July the seventh, which is allegedly a Wednesday. <laughs> allegedly, uh, allegedly a Wednesday. Um, that will be at the James Knight Center in Miami, Florida. That they're calling that one Road Rager. Road Rager, bro. Uh, and then we get uh, two dates in Texas, Cedar Park and Garland on the f- on the 14th and 21st, respectively. Those are going to be the nights of Fighter Fest. Now, yeah. y- now we've gone o- far and away o- away from Fighter Fest because Fighter Fest, of course, started as part of the CEO uh, Fighting Game Championship. It and did, and that, it is um, no longer that. It is no longer that, and of course, that started off. You know, the year before AEW was formed, because that was actually a New Japan show, because I was there. But that was also the show where you know a, a certain Chase and Rance, you know, loaned them the most rickety ass ring I've ever seen at a show ever. And uh, yeah, and we we all know what happened from there. Yes, um, we do. yeah. 
And by the way, fuck Jason Rance and fuck Jason Rance and fuck Team Vision Dojo or whatever they've rebranded themselves as. And then uh, actually, I heard it. I heard it's a Comet Ping Pong now. Say again. I heard it's a Comet Ping Pong Pizza Restaurant now. So the, the so they don't even have the dojo now. You that, that joke really just went right by you, huh? That's a oh, pizza game. Oh, you're right. The second you said that, it's like, it, oh yeah, it, it, yeah. I'm okay, sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. You got <laughs> really me. Really, sold that one. All right, I, I know. I know. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then the the date that they've added now is uh, July the 28th uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, at the Bojangles Coliseum. I have never eaten at a Bojangles, by I the way. I just had Bojangles a couple weeks ago. Man, it's so good. Um, <laughs> my house, it's delicious. And, uh, and that will actually be Fight for the Fallen. Yes, it will. Just so, first. an entire month of special event, uh, AEW Dynamites, that immediately has followed an entire month of uh, Friday and Saturday night dynamites. Oh, this schedule is fucking killing so, me. I want, yeah, I wanted to ask you about this. Is this too much? Are they, are they doing this, all, all of this stuff, loading this up this way to their own detriment? Is this going to fatigue the viewers? That could, that's what concerns me here. And I know um, they're not yeah. going to get very strong ratings through these Friday night shows. I mean, they're already not. And yeah. I'm sure they're expecting to take a ratings hit if they're recording or if they're airing their episodes Fridays at 10 p.m., like a notoriously bad time for television ratings. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what I don't understand is that is that Friday night is usually considered a graveyard for TV viewing. Friday? That, and that's why. And they, yeah. And that's why they always stick like, you know, it used to be that they used to stick fantasy and sci-fi shows on Friday nights because they figured that, you know, the people who are the target audience wouldn't have lives and would be, you know, at home watching this when, no, usually, uh, what does that say about us wrestling fans? Well, right. Exactly. Uh, well, of course, you know, I'm, you know, 48 and, you know, (laughs) work a straight job. So, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I I am going to be at home during the, wow, we get it. You've had sex. Cool. Oh, okay. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, Hey, cool. Congratulations or whatever. Uh, Yeah. Thanks dude. Whoa. Look at this cool guy. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, no, this is a bad time to, to be putting on a TV show. Well, yeah. And it's just, I feel like doing this and then going every week for the next month is like some sort of special show. Like I just feels like a lot, man. It, it, no, I agree, but you know, at the I'm, same I'm interested time, to see how we feel about it coming out of it because, like, already through these Friday Dynamites, they're rough. I mean, they're they throw off our recording times. My my viewing experience is different Friday at 10 p.m. versus Wednesday at eight. I just I'm in the middle of different stuff. Uh, you know, I'm you know the weekend versus not the weekend. So like, I feel different going into the episodes. We obviously you know try to record these right after Dynamites on Wednesday when Dynamite is on Wednesday. Uh, um, so eventually we'll get back to that, but yeah, it kind of changes up a lot of stuff and I'm wondering, uh, how we're going to feel coming out of this, you know, when things go back to quote unquote normal after months, literally of switching things up. Um, I am going to point out though, on, uh, August the, I think it's the fourth in, uh, in Rosemont, Illinois, uh, there will be a raw, a raw broadcast there. Yeah, that sounds about right. They've been running, you know the former Rosemont Horizon for a very long time. So it was uh, expected that he'd be back there sooner than later. I still call it the Rosemont Horizon. I, I, I don't care if it's been the Allstate Arena for like 20-odd years. I don't care. I, it's still always going to be the Rosemont Horizon for me. Oh, yeah. 
Anyway, we come back from commercial and we get uh, Cody Rhodes in the ring with uh, both Arn and Brock Anderson. Brock Arnson. Brock Arnson is there. Brock, oh. you would not mistake Brock Anderson for anybody else besides an Anderson. By the way, I, I got that wrong. I think it's the the second of August because ah. that that is the the first Monday. In. Right. Anyway, sorry but. about that. Anyway, uh, but yes, uh, yeah, Brock, uh, yeah, it looks just like Arn Anderson. He is same, a spit image, I'll tell same, you what. Same fashion sense and everything. Oh, I mean, he's definitely, uh, you know, at the five-inch inseam shorts, very uh, stylish. Uh, but if I had thigh muscles, I'd probably wear the same ones. Uh, we get then get interrupted. You can catch me wearing cargo shorts down halfway down my calf <laughs> with just every pocket you can think of. More pockets than a more pouches so, than a Rob Liefeld drawing. So many pockets. Oh my god, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be so tactical. Tactical summer. Let's go. There we go. Uh, we then get QT Marshall coming out again, and oh god, why is, does he have a mic? Boring. This was boring. He's boring. He's he's a nice enough guy. He seems to be trying. He's just not interesting. He's not an interesting promo. I don't give a shit about literally anything he has to say. And I think at this point, it's starting to work against his stable mates and not for them. Uh, so we're going to have to find another voice for this or let the, the physicality do the talking or this factory thing is dead in the water. Well, they are uh, trying to at least let the physicality do the talking because they have announced a strap match now for the, uh, for the July 7th Miami show. I love a strap match. So this is cool with me because strap matches do in fact rock. I think, did I bring up strap matches after the, we talked about the bull rope match? Because I'm a I fan. Don't I always loved a, like a Savio Vega Caribbean strap match. Oh, boy. <laughs> Great, stuff. Great stuff. Our second match of the evening, uh, Penta El Cero Miedo, uh, the Billy the Big Fish Bollocks, the Bastard Pack, and Eddie fucking Kingston versus Executive Vice Presidents Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, and Brandon Cutler. Um I predicted that a lot of this match was going to be Cutler getting his ass kicked, and what do you know? He did the heavy lifting in this one, or was heavily lifted. Uh, interesting to see Brandon Cutler from the beginning of AEW, where he got his whole big elaborate like costume, and he had his cool like entrance music and doing his whole thing. He had a tag team with Peter Avalon that was actually clicking. We talked about that that tag team. We did, yeah. Quite a bit, and it, it clicked. Like, they had some really good matches. To now he just has to play bumbling goon idiot who, like, forgot how to wrestle. Right. Yeah, because he certainly did not look like he was doing much actual wrestling in, in this match. No, he, he did, just... like, three moves, and, one and like, two of them were kicks. Yeah, and he got his entire ass handed to him. Overall, though, I thought this was a really, really good trios match. The story of this one was Pac and Kingston's chemistry uh, and also lack thereof was very fun. Back to in-ring storytelling. This one really told the story in the ring of like Eddie Kingston figuring it out with these guys. Pac's reluctance to trust somebody outside of the death triangle. Penta trying to make it work because he knows that this is how they're going to win together. The whole thing worked really well for me. And, you know, by the end, Kingston and Pac coexisting. The, uh, the... The Tope and uh, that was like the Suicida Con Hero combo was really good. Yes, yeah, that was uh, that Pent was great. Penta's step up Con Hero was fantastic. Oh hell yeah, he, a couple of really good moves oh, there. Uh, well, you, 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 I, I I've been more than blatantly obvious where I stand as far as uh, Penta Cerro Miedo goes. On this. I mean, he's a, his charisma is just incredible. Everything he does is just like 
He can get the crowd right in the palm of his hand. He's, he's unbelievable. And he, he wasn't even Joker Penta this time. And it was okay because, you know why? Because he looks fly no matter fucking what, you know? And, I mean, all of his gear is great. And the, the heavily sequined mask on this one was very good. I mean, So he had a nice... He, uh, a nice I mean, success. let's face it. Penta just has the look and the lifestyle, you know? It's yeah, just... I mean, he's a five-tool player if you're ever going to have one in wrestling. There's just nothing he can't do. Uh, you know, even he even uses his limited English to his advantage very strongly. And finding and doing the translator thing with Alex works really well. There's a lot, a lot of good stuff there. Notice that Alex Abrahantes has been kept out of this role since the uh, the little incident. I have noticed that. I have, I, I, I have indeed. Uh, I wonder when they're going to bring him back on camera in that role. But I will note too that the finish of this match was teamwork because uh, Eddie Kingston hit the hurricane on on Brandon Cutler and then told Pack, "Yep." Fucking pin him. <laughs> yep. You're the guy. You're the legal guy. Pin him right now. And he did. And I, I really like that. It was a nice touch of like, uh, uh, you know, we talk about canon continuity and things like that. It all fits. Yeah. Well, again, you know, they uh, they all have a common cause right now, which is the, the elite sucks. And uh, on and that. You know, no... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, because I was going to say, you know, this also ties into something else we talked about last week. Frankie Kazarian. Yes, uh, I was getting to that because after the match, of course, uh, the good brothers show up to uh, to commence to beat down the uh, or the, like the, the bad babies. brothers. Yeah, <laughs> damn, got their asses. Uh, Frankie Gazarian comes in to make the save, and uh, Eddie Kingston like proposes that they do business together, which apparently something, they will next week. Apparently, something that we did discuss and said, don't be surprised if Eddie Kingston goes out recruiting Frankie Kazarian. That's exactly what happened. Uh, this is a cool temporary alliance thing. I really like this. Uh, keeps in their theme with leaning more on factions and groups to do the heavy lifting on an AEW story stuff. So I think this is going to be uh, another great thing that fits in with this year of factions and uh, uh, stable uh, wars. Uh, this then smoothly transitions into uh, some doctored footage by Michael, quote, Kurosawa. Um, <laughs> Very nice touch. Of, uh, uh, of the alleged conspiracy against uh, against Kenny Omega, where they, they doctored some footage of... Uh, of it, was, it was supposed to be Bryce, wasn't it? Bryce Remsburg... Uh, Yes. Saying he wants to to take the belt off of Kenny, which, you know. Whatever. Yeah, that subtitling, that was very funny. I thought this was a good little, uh, little video package. It was a fun little thing. Yeah, eh, whatever. Uh, I had a chuckle. It was a, a, a chuckle. Kind of, again, it was one of those things that actually worked that in this era of, like, this kind of bombastic media manipulation, you know, UFC had that uh, – infamous video they did a few months ago like blaming journalists and like for all their problems or whatever right and of course you have those like insane trump video packages of like the you know like the the epic music with like the shots of helicopters and stuff that he used to do yeah uh this kind of fit in with that theme of like these are the kind of things that like the dumbest people are doing now right and, I really, and that's like what Kenny's character is. He's just like the most insufferable prick on earth. Well, I, I'm going to go back to that late, here in a little bit uh, when we get to that segment. But um, okay. from there, we transition into the Pinnacle promo. And I, 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 I finally see what you mean about guys talking in the ring promos. I'm glad because this one, this sucked. I was so it, annoyed it, by this, this was, one. This was bad. 
This it's was... like not even really anybody's fault in particular because like everyone was trying. I just we are past the point of them needing to just get in the ring and tell us their motivations. We know this feud. It's like your featured pro like product on the show right now, right? It's like one of the biggest storylines you have. If we're watching AEW, we know what's going on. And even if it's your first time tuning in, you don't need all this to get a to get an idea for like what's happening here. Um We've, you know, announced the matches. We've announced the challenges. If you want to accept a challenge, you don't have to talk about it for five minutes. You can just say yes or no. Uh, like, they're just repeating themselves, right? Right. And, and for some reason, you know, we don't need we don't need MJF uh, declining his, his the challenge of Jericho because, yeah, I mean, we know it's going to happen eventually. But yeah, I, mean, I don't mind him declining, just not in this matter. I mean, actually, MJF, you know, brought it back from a place where it was way worse because, like, and, you know, bless Wardlow's heart, he's working harder. But, again, I don't really need him to do all this. All he has to do is say Jake Hager wants to fight me in a cage and, like, yeah, he's a bitch for wanting to do that, but I'll kick his ass in there too. That's really all you got to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, we, we want to see FTR and uh, Santana and Ortiz get in the ring and tell their story there. That's where they want to do it, right? That's yep. like the whole point of their characters is, like, let's fight it out. So let them just go fight it out. Uh, and we don't, yeah, and sh you know, Sean, we don't need Sean Spears to do anything else that it doesn't involve a chair. He didn't have a chair with him. He wasn't sitting on a chair. Uh, he wasn't holding a chair. There were no chairs really nearby. So he, I was, he, he wasn't building a chair. He wasn't building a chair. He wasn't folding and or unfolding a chair. Um, I did like the fact that it, it MJ wasn't did, listening to silver chair. That's oh good. Jesus. Um, you know, it, I, I did like the fact though, that MJF did transition to Sammy. Yeah. For, for, to, for his ire. And I was like, okay, you know what? That's a good little swerve actually. Yeah, it keeps uh, because nobody gives a uh, shit about Sammy Guevara versus Sean Spears because it's Sean Spears and he's there to unless, take the falls again. Unless it's something that heavily involves chairs, right? Uh, but of course, you know, this being a wrestling show, it transitions to the uh, to to the jumbotron, and, and then uh, it got good. And then this is where it gets good. And then it gets good when where Jer Chris Jericho and the rest of the inner circle destroy the pinnacles limo um i i'm gonna point out a good news bad news thing here uh the good news is l fucking barto l barto <laughs> i was they like said, hell yeah they said hey hey santana just spray paint it uh okay what do you want me to spray paint i don't know do whatever you want he's like whatever i want are you sure okay l barto <laughs> I, I, just I, classic I, so good i popped for l barto but then also i i hesitate to point this out I want somebody needs to tell John Swartzwelder about that because I thought it was just it's such I, I thought that was Swartzweldian humor to do El Barto in that specific scenario. But also, um, I, I hesitate to point out that the last time that Santana Ortiz destroyed a car, it didn't work out too well for them. No, but this is not a car. It's a limousine. Well, true. But I mean, Sue's van, you know, Hey, but wrestling is all about pedantry. So. You know, we're just going to be pedantic about this. It's a, it's a limousine. It's not a vehicle. It's a conveyance. I don't need a license. I don't, actually don't need a license for this officer. I'm a sovereign citizen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we then go to a, a vignette. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm not, we're not going to just completely brush past this because this is the best part of the entire show. Um, they smashed and destroyed a limo with a forklift. And yeah, fuck Jake Hager, but this ruled. And we've talked about... And at the beginning of this inner circle babyface turn, I think one of our chief questions and one of the questions on a lot of fans' minds was, 
how is the inner circle going to be babyface after everything they've done after every, how, like and after like what you know the edge and and character work of these guys are like and who they are how are they going to be babyfaces the answer this shit right here because <laughs> how do you not love this yeah you know it's fun it was super fun it was well executed and uh, uh to boot they made the shot of five men gathering around a forklift driving away look cool <laughs> and fun <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. It was a cool and fun segment. Um, one of the reasons, like, why, you know, uh, uh, millennials love wrestling so much. It's goofy shit like this. Give me more of it. Uh, we then go to uh, Darby Allen and Steve Stinger uh, giving his uh, Darby's response to Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page's The Men of the Year. I got, I'm glad that they actually have a, 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 a name now. Pretty good. The, the Men of the Year. Uh, where he says that, no, he doesn't want to team with anybody else except Steve Stinger. He he wants to do a handicap match because he has to prove himself. And Steve Stinger, as motivational coach, once again, holy shit, this fucking ruled. Um, okay. So this is interesting. I don't think we agree on this. I really? thought I think... this was, I thought this was one of the worst segments that they've done together. It, Maybe not, but I love the whole Steve Stinger as motivational coach thing. Oh no, the ideas that that part are, that part rocked. The rest I of it was the, stupid. I thought the the ideas therein, and I thought the motivations were excellent. I thought the execution was lacking. Um, it felt like it wasn't as well thought out as the previous segments that they've done. So it really felt very different that tonally than a lot of the stuff that they do together when they interact. Right. Okay. They do a lot of these pre tapes. They do a lot of stuff in black and white. They do a lot of vignettes. They communicate through things like that. So when you kind of have this, just two guys standing in a room talking to each other thing, it's not really what Darby does. You know, it's not really the, the way like, you know, uh, uh, you see him at his best. And I'm not saying he's bad at it or anything. And again, I thought, you know, all this stuff feels authentic it just doesn't feel like it fits in with like what who these two guys kind of are or who they've been throughout this run. The one part that felt like it fit, fit to me is Darby being like, "No, Dad, you don't understand." <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have okay. To do this myself. I have to prove my merit, Dad. Okay, so no, I I think Steve's bit as the motivational coach was the the only part that really worked. Yeah, Steve. Yeah, like, yeah, no, you, I, you, you misunderstand me. I didn't think that this was a good. I didn't think this was a great segment because it seemed like, ironically, it seemed like Darby kind of corpsed a little bit, even though it was okay. a pre-tape. I just don't think this is where he shines in these type of of things, like just okay. this like two regular guys having a regular conversation while they're in like skeleton boy face paint. Well, I I agree with that, but again, Sting doing the like remember remember when he did the, the motivational coach bit with Lance Archer, and yeah. it was like we were like holy shit. He did this again, and I thought that I thought that it was the it was the yeah, best. His part veteran of the- presence makes that, and like his knowing, like you know, because everything he says and does comes from a place of like this incredible wealth of wrestling knowledge and experience, right? And we as fans know and acknowledge and feel that, right? So like when but you Sting's know what? Talking, he has so much. Like what he says has a lot of weight, and that part does work, right? Uh, and, and, also, that, and that's what, and that's uh, also what I was that that is what I was trying to get at is that that part of it worked. The rest of the promo, not great. But and I I think and I think part of what makes this work is the sincerity that comes from from Sting. Yeah, no, that that part is true. And he's very sincere. And uh, shout out to Darby Allen doing his uh, Kamala Harris impression and being like, don't come. Yeah. (laughs) God. Oh, Jesus. God. (laughs) Boy. Yeah, that that, that's something else to unpack. But uh, anyway, yeah, the. 
yeah, the rest of this promo was whatever, but that little bit from from Steve Stinger was fantastic. I thought. Yeah, no, okay, I can I can see that. And like, yeah, he had that kind of like when he like, he really did the acting job when Darby's like, "Don't come," and Steve's like, "All right, all right, you serious? Okay, uh, okay, okay, bro. Yeah. Here, fist bump." Okay. But bump it, bump it, Charlie. Yeah, but yeah, and then the corpse, and he couldn't, he couldn't bring it. No, I'm never gonna bump it. <laughs> uh, we then get a uh, a little vignette of Evil Uno remembering Brody Lee. And I was like, God damn it, I don't need to cry on a Friday night, you know. And these, are, these are really good, and I like that every Dark Order member gets one and gets like their chance to, you know talk about their their motivations you know since brody's passing and what their relationship with brody meant to them and like why that carries over and it keeps brody's memory alive and it keeps him very much intertwined into the fabric of dark order which is great i think that's awesome uh, so i really like these video packages and i think they're all good and especially like with evil uno because he's a guy that you don't really know much about besides his in-ring character so when he gets to kind of you know talk about his prior relationship and his being on the road with guys like Brody, you know, kind of personalizes him in a way that we haven't done yet. Um, this transitions into our third match of the evening for the TNT championship Miro versus evil Uno. Apparently evil Uno's first ever singles title attempt. Uh, and Very I cool. can kind of believe it actually. Um, I mean, he's made his name as a tag team wrestler. That's true. Uh, Hey, negative ones here. Yeah, he is. I think we, you know, the, 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 the forever TNT champion. That kid just has so much charisma for, did you see, uh, uh, him, uh, popping Excalibur on dark, uh, last week? I think it was last week's dark. Uh, I don't know if I see, did. He, uh, uh, he shoved Bryce Remsburg out of the ring or, like, Oh yeah. Uh, and Excalibur didn't see it coming and audibly just goes, Oh shit. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I, I did. His, I did see that. It. You're right. Had, had Taz laughing very heartily too. It was very funny. Oh my goodness. Um, we'll I get mean, back to negative one later. We'll get back to negative one later, but of course, you know, there's no surprise at who was going to, uh, to win this one. Uh, I do appreciate the fact though, that Miro has, has this, uh, you know, the, 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 this higher version of game over where it looks like La Cavernaria, you know? The, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, so we were talking, we were talking about him do like the way he does that move. And I love his execution of it. The one thing that I can nitpick on it is that he has to be careful about just lying flat on his back while doing it. And then just counting it because that could very easily be taken for a pinfall in wrestling. Yeah. Too. You know, I, I was, I was wondering about that. I was like, Oh wait, are they going to count? No, he, he tapped, but Oh, so shit, we're going to have, but we got to watch that. Cause that's like one of those just little kayfabe things. Uh, you know, keeps continuity for in-ring wrestling rules. So that's the but one thing yeah. that concerns me about it, but it looks great. But, I mean, a, a guy that that huge doing La Cavernaria, you know? <laughs> Just if he does it, like, a slightly sideways, like, at a little bit angle onto one shoulder, I think that'll be perfect. Right. Um. So, yeah, uh, unfortunately, the, the poor Dark Order didn't get get the TNT title back. No, but Evil Uno had a good showing. He's had a couple of really, you know, he's been in the main event recently a couple of times in some tag scenarios and stuff, and has really shined over the last uh, couple of opportunities he's gotten. Everyone in Dark Order just doing some of the best work of their careers, uh, bell to bell. Yeah, I, I really did. I, I did think this was a good match. Uh, it's just, you know, how, how do you really rate, you know, two guys slugging each other, you know? And just uh, You just go, hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am going to say this, though. I'm really starting to miss Anna Jay's presence. Oh, don't we all? Yeah, and, and, and the fact that they more or less transitioned uh, Ty Conti away from the Dark Order now is kind of a bummer, too. 
Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate, but I think uh, with the, the women's title picture looking the way it is, I think they're gonna. Uh, I think she's gonna get a, a big push at some point here. So uh, that's fine. I, we're gonna be seeing a lot of her anyway. Yeah, but I mean, I, I kind of liked. I mean, again, I need. And also, they could be be holding Ty Conti back from Dark Order until Anna gets back. So that's something to watch out for as well. You know, they they've shown that they're willing to put a pin in stuff like this. And move people around, you know, for the time being, you know, no more high profile than Penta and Phoenix t- uh, teaming up with Eddie Kingston while Pac was away. Right. Okay. I mean, y- you may be right. I just wonder that for the, for the length of time that Anna Jay was supposed to be out, I wonder, will there even be a Dark Order to come back to? Oh, I, absolutely. Dark Order is going to be around a long time. That could be Dark a good, Order isn't that, going that could be a good or a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. I think this is going to be they've and this is kind of what they've settled into right now is like they're a consistent presence. They don't have any like like storylines that are pushing their narrative forward right now. But that's good. Right. Because with these long term things, you can't always have action because you're going to burn it out. So if you can keep, you know, factions like Dark Order in a holding pattern for a while where they're having good matches, they're accomplishing the goals that they're setting out for. Maybe they're not winning everything or winning championships, but there's good matches out there. The chemistry is good. People like seeing them wrestle. We can keep this together. We can keep it going like this. Honestly, we don't really have to do anything more than what they're doing now for another year or two if you really want to. Uh, I guess we'll see. Um, but this goes into a very, very good vignette of Andrade El Idolo. Uh, including a very swag-looking La Sombra mask chain. Yes, very cool shit. Uh, very cool vignette. Probably a better way to introduce Andrade El Idolo than the way that they did it, but I'm still not going to hate on it too much because I love Vicky Guerrero. Well, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm actually more hyped for this. And I, love the, and I love the little bit of continuity, too, with that suit, because the, the way that suit looked... Does yeah. it not remind you of a baseball uniform somewhat? Okay, I can because see that. Right, Los Gober- right, because right. Los Ingobernables are all about their baseball uh, jerseys uh, and gear. Yeah, yeah, that is okay. I could, yeah, all right, fair. I didn't even so, think about that. Yeah, I, that, that was Very the nice. first thing that caught my eye. Uh, we then go to an in-ring segment with uh, Kenny Omega and Don Callis. And I know that Kenny Omega is supposed to be playing this really over-the-top villain character right now, but... This promo had some good bits, but it just reminded me once again that the alleged 18-month IWGP title reign that Kenny Omega had proposed and was hoping to do before the whole AEW thing happened would have been fucking unbearable. That's the point. He's supposed to be unbearable, and he kind of is, and it's like what works about this character you want a heel champion this is what a heel goddamn champion does gets heat and he is a missile did you notice his pretty obvious kiryu from yakuza outfit i did notice it, actually that's good too and you know that's like you know kenny's a huge dork but that is kind of fun when things like that happen i, I dig it right but i mean again right but put on the new japan hat for a minute that would have been unbearable for as an IW for an American again. This TV, is an AEW Dynamite podcast. Wrestling right. didn't exist until Labor Day weekend 2018. Right. So that doesn't I'm, matter. I'm sorry, you're right. My bad. <laughs> Wrestling was invented by Cody Rhodes. Right. Oh, that's that's a take that'll get me buried. Yeah, Cody Rhodes invented wrestling. Yeah, you, you're on your own for that one, brother. I, wrestling <laughs> wrestling was born when Cody Rhodes defeated Nick Aldis. <laughs> The views of Paul Sebastian do not necessarily reflect those of Boom Goes the Dynamite or the PWOM podcast network. Actually, yes, they do. No, they don't. 
Unnecessary. <laughs> just whoever whoever says the fine print faster. <laughs> um. So Don Callis, of course, invokes Baltimore, which I mean, okay. I'm tired of Don Callis, but you know what? Fine. Invoke Baltimore. Baltimore needs the, needs the press, honestly. Hey, you know, some of the deepest burns are the ones that are rooted in truth. Baltimore, indeed a one-hit wonder. But that one hit, it's really good. Ooh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're here now. We're singing it in 2021. I mean, you know. Those whole – I mean, it just shows how smart Tony Khan was making that the first one he went and got because those whole crowds doing the, doing the thing is just – it's money. Uh, Jungle Boy, you know – to prove Kenny Omega's point, doesn't really say much, but he, he does say what we all were thinking, which is, God damn, you talk too much. <laughs> that's Yep, but that's why, again, that's why this works, because as soon as uh, Jungle Boy says that, that's where that crowd reaction comes from, because he won't shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, so that, you know, a little kerfluffle happens, and uh, yeah, so the, we're, we're, we're beginning the build in earnest for their, their match on the 26th of June. On a Saturday dynamite, grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> we then go to a vignette with uh, Jay Cargill and uh, and Mark Sterling, and Jesus Christ, Jay Cargill is a fucking superstar. She is indeed a superstar. This is we, you know, the second time we're talking about Jade Cargill on this podcast. If every segment was just Jade Cargill and we just did Jade Cast, I'd be into that too. Welcome to the Jade Cast. I am your host. Um. Had to do it like in an NPR voice, you know. Yep. <laughs> I'm Ira. Glenn. We just turned the Twitter account into like Jade Cargill fan cams. We're just like K-pop stands, but for Jade Cargill. <laughs> I'm Ira Glass, and this has been this Jade Cargill life. <laughs> um, I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Cargill. <laughs> uh, shout out to Tom Batista of the Military Industrial Suplex, who I have often referred to as the NPR voice of this of this network. So, <laughs> uh, we then get uh, another pre-tape vignette with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, basically saying, uh, basically calling Darby Allen a coward for not going out and getting another partner. Ooh, it cuts deep. But this cuts is deep. also, I think, when we finally cemented them as the men of the year. Which you know what. That is kind of a good name. Fun name. I have to say. Uh, we didn't get our fourth... Still no explanation of why he just like left SCU to focus on his singles career and then just joined a tag team and nobody cares. It seemed like a good idea at the time, I guess. I guess so. But I would really like to see Daniels or Kazarian confront this at some point. Yeah, I think they're just... Yeah, they just have, have gone separate ways. Maybe Daniels coming back and being like, what the hell, dude? I think there's something that can be done about that baby face Christopher Daniels as a as a guy to get their get his ass kicked by uh, by Sky and uh, Page, which leads to a match with he's hot, he's spicy, he's tasty. <laughs> curry <laughs> man, I want Curry man to come back. Oh wow, <laughs> hell yeah! Shout out to shout out to curry man versus Karate man. Shout out to uh, do wait does AEW did they get the rights to Karate Man from Impact too? Can they just can they get? Oh, Karate I don't. Man? Know. Well, I mean they have well, a co- they have partnership. They have yeah. a partnership. Why not? I guess so. Karate Man could show up in AEW. There we Karate go. Man, Invisible Man, and Invisible Stan could all show up in AEW at some point. That's true. This is all true. Wow, my dogs are going but fucking nice. some. You know what? Oh, you know what? It is uh, time for a f- quick fashion update. So y'all know about my Kermits. We know about the Kermits. I did eventually drop for those superstars. I think they just arrived as we're here on the air. Hey, shoes. 
Hey, shoe. Yeah, apparently I'm a shoes guy now. You're a sneakerhead. You're like Shane McMahon. And now, oh, oh, and also I'm looking at you know other other things too. Like you showed me that FMW jacket. The FMW jacket's so cool. Oh my god! It, it's apparently, so I, cool. I've become a fashion guy since lockdown. Apparently, can, I, can you still buy them? You can still buy them. Oh. Wait, can you not still buy them? No, you can. Don't do this to me. Oh, uh, I want that orange one so bad. Don't do this to me. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. Do not do know. this to me. We then go to our fourth match of the evening. Um, Lance Archer versus uh, Chandler Hopkins, and the match lasted as long as it took me to announce the lineup, basically. Yep, match over. All right, yep, Lance Archer it. beats Move. the guy up. Jake Roberts barely got it out of the tunnel, and the match is over. Moving on. Yep, quick payday. Mo- let's go. Moving on. Yeah, yeah, Jake Jake Roberts ain't going to complain too much about the quick payday. No, he ain't. Uh, we then get a uh, another pre-tape with uh, the wingmen, of all people, running down Orange Cassidy. The lads. Hey, even you've been singing their praises. I think the wingmen might be a thing. There, I mean, there's some guys that are interesting here. Just how it all comes together and, you know, wh- what they accomplish, I think, is what's going to make them, right? Yeah, I mean, let's see if they ever actually amount to anything. Yeah, I mean, if their first thing is like going after Orange Cassidy and immediately getting smacked around by the best friends, like that's not really good. Like they need to have some, they need to like do some stuff first, get some wins together, or uh, you know, do some attacks or something, some successful attacks. Oh right, I know why they're going after Orange Cassidy. I forgot about that. Yeah, the whole uh, uh, hired help. Rocky, scenario. no, no, Rocky Romero. Remember, oh, Rocky Romero. Remember yeah, uh, okay. Rocky Romero was up against JD Drake, and then uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, Rocky Romero. That was a fun time. Shout out Rocky Romero. Come back. Yeah. And Run Narita. There's no reason Run Narita can't come back now. He's in, yeah. He's at the LA Dojo. I mean, he's he's working NJPW strong, so, you know. Speaking of uh, of the West Coast, I just there's not, there's not going to be another opportunity to bring this up. I just want to really quickly touch on something since we talk about GCW and uh their issues with commentary and things like that. Did you know fucking Kevin Gill lives in San Francisco? No, I didn't. So this man flies all the way across the country to do that commentary for those shows. Just something to think about. <laughs> just something to just something to chew on. Anyways, we can we can move on. But just I wanted to bring that up. When, when's Wyoming? Is that next week? Something like that. Or is it this week? It's coming up. Hmm. Uh, let's find out because uh, we have the internet at our fingertips. Uh, let's see. Game changer wrestling. They're just, it's nothing but like retweets of the Matt Cardona stuff for Homecoming, uh, which was really interesting. Nick Gage attacking Matt Cardona at like their, like a live podcast event. Yeah. Uh, that was very cool. But also, that's I, a, that's I, hot. I really like, real hot. I really like to know when the, uh, when the Hoffman Estates tickets are going Bill. That'd be nice. Uh, yeah. That would be, um, a week from today is the, the GCW Wyoming event. Okay. All right then. So next week is, is, is GCW. I'm guessing that the all out tickets will happen sometime um, around these uh, special events, right? Like maybe fight for the fall in time or something like that. I don't know. I I figured they would already be on sale. Honestly, not quite because they do. They sell out in minutes. They don't need to make them too early. Yeah, maybe not. They're going to they're going to sell out in 10 minutes or less. Our fifth match of the evening, uh, Nyla Rose versus legit Layla Hirsch. Um, 
Once again, the fucking commercials uh, of all times to do the commercials. Of all times, yeah. Jesus they, Christ. Did you notice they cut to a picture in picture right as Eddie Kingston threw a chair into the ring on this episode? I did. <laughs> These are pre-tapes. You can make sure we get the chair stuff. Yeah, I, you know. Sean Spears didn't have a chair because Eddie Kingston brought it in and they cut to commercial unceremoniously. That's right. Chair was embarrassed. He didn't want to come back. Yeah, and uh, you know, Layla Hirsch throwing a step stool into the ring too. That, well, that, that was the the one that Vicky put there. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, Vicky that... put the step stool down that says "legit shorty." Yeah, which is pretty funny. Uh, yeah, Layla grabbed it. I, I was like, "Is she gonna kick it? What's she gonna do with it?" She throws it at Vicky, which yeah, alpha is shit. Uh, this was a fun match. Uh, I thought this match ruled, honestly. Really great chemistry, two different styles, but both, you know, uh, they they wrestle from a place of strength, but just, you know, Layla uses her size uh, uh, to her advantage, and Nyla does in a much different way. Uh, Yeah, they created some really interesting stuff here. Also, Layla Hirsch, tough as nails, able to take a beating from Nyla Rose, which, you know, is a a task in and of itself. You know, I I really have to appreciate the fact that they they remember the idea that a big woman can, um, you could take them down by, because... Their their joints are just as vulnerable as anybody else's, you know. Yeah, I think, you know uh, when we talk about like presenting like the the larger wrestlers, the Miro does a really good job of being like hard to take off his feet, but makes it possible, like in the right circumstances. Lance Archer, also uh, uh, an expert at that. Nyla Rose falls into that same kind of category, of yeah, really good at kind of selling that. You can take me off my feet, but it's going to be really difficult to do, and you're going to have to do it the right way. Yeah, it's probably, not gonna be like just like punches or like a whatever, like a run into me or something. You gotta chop you down. Right, but I mean, I, uh, but yeah, I, I thought that both Nyla and Layla uh, did very well in this match. I I thought this match ruled. Yep, Nyla pretty you know uh, pretty predictably gets the win, but um, not the last we're gonna see of Layla Hirsch on Wednesdays. Wow, Rip winning this championship has reopened the women's division as you know as great as uh, she does and her reign was. Uh, this is a new start. You know, we're hitting the reset button. We got a new set of challengers for a, for a new champion. Really interesting times in the women's division, and they need to lean on that heavily. I hope these special events coming up uh, that they choose to do more of that. Right, and yeah, Nyla Rose gets the win. Uh, she found Layla Hirsch very tough to deal with, which I thought was good. Absolutely, uh, I thought that was good. Uh, it's, it's in the name and everything. It, it was a good, it was a good advertisement for Layla Hirsch too, uh, quite frankly. But yeah, wh- why you chose to do the commercial during this match instead of a picture in picture? Yeah, not not a good look. AEW. Well, I, you know, yeah. again, and you do this con- and, and you do this constantly. Yes, they do. Yeah, this- yeah. I'm I'm guessing that it's because we probably didn't miss a whole ton of filler in the middle because again, this match being taped, they probably cut it pretty close together. So probably didn't cut a whole lot out of the match itself. Yeah, but still, you know. Yeah. We then go backstage for a, a segment with Tony Schiavone, uh, Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, DMD. A, and uh, Rebel, not Reba, not Reba, and uh, it was what it was. It's you know, it's Britt Baker doing. I thought the X factor of this was uh, Rebel's facial expressions while Britt was cutting the promo, which I found uh, distracting, but in a fun way. Right. I mean, it was an okay. Rebel just sitting there, like, doing Rebel stuff, like, just, like, reacting and being really animated. I think she's very fun. This leads into our main event of the evening. Uh, Adam Page and Dark Order number 10, Preston Vance, versus 
Brian Cage and Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, Taz joins on commentary. I mean, this was, you know, this was a TV tag match main event. Um, I thought it was very successful in what it set out to accomplish, though. I mean, this match was was there for a reason. It was a big storyline progression match and uh, really well executed there from the commentary to the stuff that happened uh, bell to bell to the stuff that happened after the bell. Um, so what did happen? Was- so what did happen? So this was, one, this was a really good hard-hitting tag match, right? Really good, really physical. Uh, Cage and Hobbs up until, you know, the the moment where that turn have really good in-ring chemistry. Um, I think the same goes of uh, Preston Vance, I think, fits in really well with these. These are high-profile wrestlers, right? These are top guys, and uh, and number 10's out there. Number 10's out there uh, holding the zone. I think number 10 is going to be a, a pretty big force on the AEW roster, you know, in the, in the years to come. But we do got to get that mask off him. Uh, perhaps. I think it's time yeah. to unmask this dude. I don't think he's going to be able to get to the next level of popularity with the mask on. But also, uh, we need to figure out what Adam Page is doing, too, because right now he just seems to be buried in this feud. And, you know. I don't think this is buried at all. I think this is a great place for him to be. He's working with, again, one of. Uh, uh, AEW fandom's favorite factions in Team Taz. Everybody's really interested in what's going on with Team Taz, right? One of the most universally, they're heels, but they're loved, right? People love Team Taz. They love to see what they're going to do next. Uh, so him being involved with them and Dark Order, another beloved faction, I think it's a great place for him to be. And now, of course, you know, Ricky's, now we have uh, the, the, the tension between Brian Cage and Ricky Starks is now just ratcheted up because... And everybody in general. So, yeah, Brian Cage... Uh, is offered the FTW belt while the ref is distracted to uh, to use it to hit number 10. And uh, he refuses the FTW belt. Again. Says, nope, I can, yep, it says, I'm going to do it on my own. Ricky Stark says, what the hell's wrong with you? Slaps Brian Cage. Cage chases Ricky Starks through the tunnel, and Will Hobbs is left alone. Indeed. And he almost, he, you know, gets a big spine buster in, almost gets the win, but then, uh, yeah, Cage and the number 10, or, I'm sorry, Adam Page, Page Cage, bleh. Adam Page and number 10 do get the win. Uh, there is a very fun celebration afterwards where uh, Dark Order and everybody are having beers while Colt Cabana and Negative One each have a nice bottled water. That's right. Because, you know, Negative One is... Negative One was shit-faced already. He didn't need another one. He was <laughs> Damn. Wow. <laughs> gonna, gonna bury Negative a ni- One was gone off the sauce, bro. G- g- gonna bury a nine-year-old already. <laughs> Damn. Buried himself in Miller Lights. <sighs> Boy. You, you, you bring the controversy on this episode. And with that, we end episode 82 of AEW Dynamite. Um, I thought this is very much an improvement over, uh, over last week's a slight improvement. I liked a lot of the bell to bell wrestling. I didn't like a lot of everything else that happened. (laughs) Uh, most of the talking segments and promo segments didn't really land for me. Didn't really, none of it really, you know, kept me super engaged besides the forklift part, which I thought was really great. Uh, that one was fun. Then again, again, some of the wrestling was pretty good, but it, you know, it felt like a pre-taped kind of bottle episode of Dynamite. That's what it was, and we move on. You know, this month, obviously, they ha- they're up against a lot. I'm sure they're not going to want to put their best stuff out when it's Friday nights at 10 p.m. So they're kind of treading water a little bit till we get to these, uh, you know, Saturday night events and special events next month. Uh, so we'll see how it ramps up uh, as we go along through the summer here. 
Right, but I mean, okay, so I understand not wanting to put your absolute best material out there on these on these Friday night shows, but then it doesn't make it. I mean, it, it's kind of hard for us, the viewers, too. Then, well, that's what I'm saying is I'm worried about viewer fatigue over the next couple months doing permanent damage to their ratings, and I guess we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, the, how these. I'm really interested to see, and I'm not super into ratings, but I am interested to see how many eyes are on the special event shows next month. Speaking of ratings, did you notice, um, kind of off topic, and we're going to talk about, you know, the other promotion, that uh, you know, one Paul Levesque was a little touchy on the uh, the NXT call this week? He's a, he's a touchy man. He's a touchy, touchy man. He was pretty fucking touchy. The thing about being, like, these type of executives and, like, these kind of guys who, like, especially like, these type of, especially macho type of ones like Triple H, they're usually incredibly sensitive people. And Triple H, obviously, a very sensitive man. Uh, sensitive or gotten to? Not mutually exclusive. True that. But, yeah, do you think he knows by now he's not taking over this company? Well, he is, though. And so here's the thing. If WWE does sell, which seems more and more likely, I don't see any scenario where Triple H and Steph aren't still in charge of the company going forward. I'm guessing that they'll get the Dana White deal uh, that, you know, uh, I, I, WMEIMG uh, gave, uh, you know, to Dana when they uh, purchased UFC. Because whoever buys WWE isn't going to want to be hands on with it. They're just going to want the checks. They want the checks and they want the library and the IP. They're going to want a steady hand at the helm. It's going to be Triple H. It's going to be Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah, there's no way that they're going to get rid of those. If, if WWE keeps running the way it is, they're not going to get rid of the people who know it. I guess we'll find out as time goes on. Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. You can follow me on Twitter at CoolStepUncle, uh, Twitch at twitch.tv slash ThickFlare, uh, all C's, no K's. This podcast, of course, BGTD Podcast at BGTD Podcast on Twitter, and uh, uh, that's what I got. All right. Uh, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter, my personal Twitter, at GDWessel, two S's, one L. Um, Strong Style Story, we'll be back. Tomorrow or Monday. So uh, we're uh, Chris and I will be discussing how things have gone the last couple of months in New Japan. Uh, spoilers, overall, not great. But <laughs> uh, you Sh- know, Champion Shingo is interesting. Well, you know, Champion, you know, I, I'm just gonna save all my gushing over Shingo um, for that episode because I, I, I have, you know been more than open about my my utter love of Shingo Takagi. I mean, he's been the best wrestler at New Japan since he came in, pretty much. Yeah, and I think he still would be considered a relative underdog champion or an unlikely champion in these times, which New Japan has not had for a long time. So, that's, since, I think it's since a early, breath of fresh air. Since early days of Okada, honestly. Yeah, and even then, like, we all... People kind of knew what Okada was going to be anyway, so... Well, I don't know about that. I mean, because, I mean, remember, he got booed out of the Tokyo Dome. At yeah, Wrestle but Kingdom gets, six, you know. You know, Die Rocky Die happened, too. Well, that's true. Well, that much is true, too. But, uh, actually, I don't think anybody ever actually chanted Die Rocky Die. I think they did, didn't they? Or that, is, that, is that one of those wrestling myths? I think that's one of those. It, it was a myth created for a promo. 
Ah, right. Wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, the, the, we, we did brush over this, but in that uh, like fake dub, fake subtitle thing that Michael Nakazawa put together, uh, they turned the uh, the fuck you callous chance into thank you callous, which I thought was very funny. Oh, you're right. I did. Did miss you see that? that? They were, they I, I, they I were did putting miss- up as they were putting up as thank you, Don. Thank you, Don. I I, I did miss that actually. <laughs> yeah, I had, had a good laugh. Had a good laugh at that. Paul, any last words? Uh, you know, uh, you, you can you can have a lot of last words. You cannot have a lot of last words. Who's to say? Who's to say? Really? Not me. We'll see you okay. next week.